Hey, it's me, Sam. This is my podcast. I'm back, y'all. I I find it hilarious that the last episode that I recorded at the beginning of October, which has been, to be fair, over three months ago. It's fine. It's fine. We're 2020, okay? We're doing things new. Um, I made a big deal about how I wasn't going to quit and I was going to stick with it and on blah, blah, blah. Listen. I have a I have a full explanation, okay? I have a I ha, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you to not judge me, hopefully. Um, I did record an episode at the end of October. I just looked at the date on the 21st, and um, that episode I'll review the highlights, uh, but essentially. Essentially, uh, it was very, it was a very emotional episode because, well, I'll get into that because I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to include that, that, uh, information in my, um, in my rundown on online dating and the saga that has been online dating. <laughs> oh my goodness. Let me turn my heat down. Sounds like a turbine running in the back of my van. I'm still driving a minivan. I don't care. I don't like to drive it during the day when I work, but sometimes it's just too much of a hassle to go home and switch my car when I have so much work. So I got to maximize my time. Uh, what else is going on? Okay. So let me just, some of these stories all intertwine. So I have some highlights. Okay. So what I decided was, uh, after October, I had some, I had a major life event and so that kept me from being able to record. I'll explain that. Kept my time, my hands in time pretty tied up. I'm recovered. I'm, I'm back feeling more normal today. And so, and able to maybe give a little bit more attention. My goal for 2020 that I set at the beginning of January that I'm just not getting around to, but it's still January, so it's fine. My goal is to try to record once a month. And I'm going to make it a good one for y'all. So... And if I do more than that, then I do, but that's the goal for right now. So here I am. It's, what is it? Fifth, 17th? Yeah. So, I mean, middle of the month, I'm still here. Um, so that's that. I, I know I talked quite a bit about how I was kind of on this weight loss journey starting like at the beginning of the fall into the summer last year, coming up on my son's 13th birthday. And so I'll kind of roll these two stories together because the two, the two definitely, um, are dependent on each other. So it took me, I think I talked about, like, it took me about six weeks before I really fully detoxed from sugar and carbs and was able to be, um, really consistent and then really start to see consistent loss almost every day. And I had lost total, I want to say like, um, almost 20 pounds, 15 pounds, and then, so then this is where we get into this major life event. So on the 25th of October, I was contacted about taking a new foster care placement, um, a little teeny baby boy. And so here's a story just to kind of let you, uh, picture what happened. My son and I, my oldest son and I had planned an evening to go to Kings Island and we were going to meet 
one of his friends and her mom and her mom and I, his, his mom and I are friends. And so we were going to meet them and have a blast. And it was like the hot, what is it called? Fear festival, fear. I can't talk fear fest or something. I don't know. So we were going to do that whole thing and haunted houses and be scared. And it was going to be exciting. Well, so I get this call. So on Fridays, I drop off my eight year old to her dad, Clara. And, um, so literally as I'm like leaving the parking lot of where I meet him and drop her off, I get a call from my caseworker with my foster care agency asking if I'd be willing, you know, to take this newborn. Now keep in mind at the time I've got a, a not even their 12 year old still an eight year old, a three year old and an almost two year old, but still a one year old. And so the, I, and I, and I had really start to started to have just a little, little taste of some freedom. And I mean, obviously my one-year-old was still in diapers, but just, you know, like he's starting to understand at that point, almost two-year-old starting to understand like listening and following directions and, you know, not being as wild and being out in public was getting a little bit easier. And so when I got that call, I just was like, okay, (laughs) here we go. I'm about to just jump right back into the world of newborns and babies and everything. But as I've said before, my heart has been from day one with foster care and kind of the commitment that I made when I, not kind of, for sure, the commitment that I made when I um, decided to become a foster parent is that I would say yes and I would allow God to work in the, in my yes, basically. And then if it was right, it would happen. And if it wasn't right, it wouldn't. But I knew that in my heart, like I would be willing and I would be obedient to that yes. And then God would work it out from there. So it kind of carried on for a couple of hours. My son ended, I was thankfully able, my son, bless his heart. This is the coolest moment. Like you worry about how your biological kids are going to be affected by foster care. And I still, to this day, I mean, I've adopted two of mine, but I still worry about how, you know, their childhood is being shaped by foster care and and how they are affected. But I said to him after I hung up, I said, listen, I know we had planned on going to Kings Island. And I feel like I want you to know that if if you're upset or if this bothers you, then I'll call him back and say no because you're my priority and I don't, you know, there's a hundred other homes that would just give anything to have a baby. So it's not like I'm the only one. And he said, no way you can't. You said, he said, you're going to choose Kings Island over leaving a baby stranded at a little, at a hospital. (laughs) So he was, you know, that's just, maturity that he's experienced and because of the things that he's been through with foster care over the past you know almost three and a half years like he just has a real understanding of the need and he has a real compassion and so I just I love that moment because it just showed that you know our home we're a foster home like it's not just me running this foster care thing my kids are on board and my kids are serving and my kids understand that our home is a mission field and that's it's been a really neat I mean they're kids they have their selfish moments but at the end of the day like they know that 
Like he understands that, a, you know, getting it, taking care of a baby that doesn't have anybody is more important than a fleeting moment, you know, at Kings Island. He got to have his moment. He still got to go. Thankfully, I was able to meet um, his friend and, you know, they went to Kings Island and so they had a good time. But so it carried on for a while because the caseworker was obviously concerned about um, and she wanted to make sure that he went to the right home. It's pretty similar to the situation with my other two ch two children and that um, he has some drug exposure. He was premature, all those things. And so um, she just wanted to make sure. So there was a lot of back and forth conversation about, you know, what did I have in place for childcare and all, you know, just all those details. And then eventually after a couple of hours, you know, I got the confirmation that the county had chosen um, my home for him to come to. And then, you know, had to pick up a car seat. He was born in Indiana, so I had to drive out to Indiana to pick him up. And he has, um, you know, been with me. So that was October 25th. He's been with me ever since. And he is uh, adorable and precious and just smiling and cooing now. So he's, in a couple of days, he'll be three months old. He was born on the 20th. Um, and he's just the sweetest, cutest thing in the world. And I love him so much. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's just kind of the same situation with, with Mia is that, he is going to visitation with his biological parent um, every week. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where he's going to be. But we're going to really, really love him a lot for as long as we can. And if that's forever, that's great. And if it's not, that's okay. Because God is going to direct his life and where it needs to be. So... That was my major life event. I had a baby. Okay, I had a baby. I can't be recording podcasts. I'm taking care of a newborn. Get out of here. So, I had a baby. On top of that, bless his heart, at about six weeks old, he caught a case of RSV and another respiratory virus and landed himself in the ICU on a ventilator for almost a week. Poor guy. So, that was an ordeal. Um, and then on top of that... That same week, this was the first week of December, it was real exciting. That the same exact week, I started a brand new job. And so after being at my job for three days, I had to then call off for the last two days of the week because I had a baby in the ICU. I mean, just dramatic. Uh, thankfully, they didn't fire me. I'm working now uh, full-time for a hospice agency as a social worker. And... I know people get, you know, kind of, and understandably, like, it, it gets kind of weird about dying and death and hospice and things like that. And I, I get that. But, so, understand, though, that I have those same feelings, but I'm learning, I've learned so much about hospice. I was working for a hospice agency for about a year and a half part-time before I've started this one full-time. Um, but I really, really love it. I love that there's an agency that provides support in this way to the families and to the patients. I love that, um, you know, this demographic of people, the elderly and the dying and the uh, frail, are often just ignored and not taken care of with respect and with compassion. 
And so I really, really love that, you know, I'm in this position. The other thing that's amazing is that it's a Medicare standard. It's a Medicare covered service. And part of the Medicare um, criteria is that there has to be a chaplain on staff that's available to patients if they're, you know, if they want the, you know, that type of interaction, if they want to see the chaplain. So our meetings, you know, our staff meetings start and end with prayer from our chaplain. And we have a lot of freedom if we know that the patient has a faith base or they, they connect in that way, we have a lot of freedom to be able, like I, I can talk to patients about God, I can pray with them, I can share the Bible with them, and there's no limitations um, as far as that go. If anything, it goes as, as far, if anything, it's really encouraged. So that has been a really exciting part for me because I always felt like I'm going into all of these people's houses and home with home health care and um, I'm interacting with these people but I was you know obviously pretty limited on being able to share with them or you know talk about God or anything like that just because of the nature of the work but with this job with hospice I mean it's it's like almost expected you know if if you know that a patient is a Christian or you know that they're you know they have that faith base then it's encouraged for that to be part of our interaction with them. So started a new job, had a baby, Charlie turned 13. I mean, basically from like October 25th through Christmas, I stayed in a full-time anxiety-ridden panic attack, (laughs) but also tired, just exhausted. Managed to have Christmas with five children gave my kids a bomb Christmas, managed to pull that off, uh, managed to keep my job, my new job, managed to keep a baby alive. I mean, just killing the game. Not really. I had a ton of help. I think I've talked about this before. Like my church, um, is really well-meaning and has always been verbally very supportive of like, and very encouraging of me being a foster parent, but it's just now with this third foster baby that I feel like they finally were able to really get a grasp on what the needs are and like how, what kind of things would be helpful. And so I had a lot more help, um, with this baby coming. Um, I had a lot, you know, a lot of people bringing meals. I had people that offered to like take my other kids to do things and to keep my other kids for the afternoon and things like that. So it, it really made a difference, um, in being able to, you know, survive, um, with him coming and being so tiny and, and so, you know, obviously having a lot of needs and things like that. So, so thankful. I have five children. It's outrageous. I listened to a comedian last week. Jim Gaffigan is one of my favorite comedians and he has five kids also. And, uh, he said, they were walking in the mall or something and he's like I'm like a walking diorama for birth control and I was like oh my gosh that's me that's me every time I walk into church I'm literally holding a car seat holding Max's hand Max is holding Mia's hand Mia's holding Clara's hand Charlie's trailing behind me somewhere like I'm that's me I'm a walking diorama for birth control except I didn't birth any of these you know the last three I picked them up at the hospital but anyway So that's that. That's where I've been. That's what I've been doing. It's been chaotic. 
it's been crazy. It's been good. And I'm, I'm really thankful. It's been, uh, having a baby in the house. I mean, he's a, of course, an excellent baby. Here he is, like I said, almost three months old and really has been sleeping through the night since he was about eight weeks, 10 weeks old. Um, so takes a bottle at 9 p.m., goes to bed by 9.30, sleeps all night. I wake him up at 6 a.m. for his first bottle. Who is this kid? I mean, just, just incredible. Love his heart. <laughs> Love him for that. So I feel like I'm more of a normal person getting more sleep, you know, not having to wake up. I was feeding him through the night, you know, there for the first couple of months, but not doing that. He's sleeping good, eats good-ish, still projectile, you know, projectiles every once in a while, but for the most part, eats pretty good, and yeah, stinking adorable. So, five kids, three under three, how do you feel about that? Three, two, three months, stupid, I don't, I don't know, but like I said, I have kind of, I kind of committed that I would say yes. And then I would, it would, it wouldn't make any sense and it would seem crazy to the world and it would seem crazy to me, but that I would allow God to use, I would allow God to do it. I can't do it. I don't know how I do it. I don't know how my house isn't falling down around me. I don't know how my kids aren't falling. Up. I don't know how we do it, but we do. If you would have asked me on October 24th, if I thought I'd be able to manage a newborn coming into my house, I would have said absolutely not. And the reality is, even more than that, is that I was seriously considering allowing for my license to lapse because I felt like I've adopted these two babies. We're really settling into a good rhythm. Everyone is really like, it feels very... Um, like natural and organic, if you want to say that, like it, it, if it, it didn't feel like I'd adopted them, you know, it was like everyone was just settled. There were no caseworkers coming in. There was no having to worry about visits. There was none of those, none of those things that kind of would remind me that they were foster children had been going on for quite a while. And so I, my brain had just like, it was, there's my kids, like there's my four kids. Not, there was no glitch there. Um, and so I really had consider just allowing my license, my foster care license to lapse. And then thought, you know, once these four are older and, you know, maybe once Charlie's graduated and Clara gets a little bit older and the, these two get a little bit older, then maybe I'll, I'll get relicensed and kind of start over and, you know, see about taking in, in more kids then. But, you know, you know what happens when you start trying to make your own plans. God's like, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. I got a plan for you. So anyway, his name is, um, we're calling him Finn Finnegan. We're calling him Finn. Uh, and so that's what he is. He's baby Finn. He's adorable. He's the cutest thing I ever saw. Um, I don't understand how I continue to think babies are cute, but he literally like just melts my heart. He's so cute. I'll, I don't know. I love, I, maybe I love babies. I don't think I do, but man, he's cute. He's so sweet and snuggly and just a little butterball baby. So that's that. But I'm back now. Things are settled down. We're doing this. So like I said, back in October on the 21st, I recorded um, 
which is this is even crazy because I didn't realize the dates lined up that much I'm just realizing it now as, as I'm talking but I recorded an episode on the 21st on my way back from what was supposed to be my first date in 10 years Okay, so it was 2019. In 2009, I went on a date at the end of November with my ex-husband for the first time. And then obviously we got married and, and then were married and then got divorced in 2000, December of 2018. It was finalized. So I had not only gone a full year single and hadn't dated but that would have been my first day in almost 10 years that I had gone on, you know, with anybody. So I think I mentioned on here that I had, had kind of looked into um, Facebook dating. Uh, if you're if you're single, I'm sure you've gotten the notification, you know, on your Facebook profile that there is Facebook dating. And I had set up a profile and then just kind of like I'm. I'm just at a, I'm not like, I wasn't like anxious to find somebody or I wasn't desperate to get into a, into a serious relationship or anything like that. I just kind of wanted to see how it worked and how things were going and what, what was out there. And then, you know, I really liked the idea of like having somebody to talk to. And then honestly, like I wouldn't pay attention to it for a while. And then every once in a while, somebody would message me and I would talk to him for a little bit. And then I would forget about it, and then I would go back to it. But it was kind of like something to do. Like, I'd be bored during the day with driving or with my job, and then it was something to do. Something, you know, I'd have somebody to talk to or whatever, but something kind of to break up the day. So, the first guy on there that I ended up talking to, um, that was in October, and we talked... Um, and then online, and then we ended up texting for, you know, a little, a week or so, and then, um, decided that we were going to meet. He lived in Indiana, and so we kind of figured out, like, the middle point was Richmond, and, which is an hour for me, and so I, you know, did my hair, did put on makeup, like, I got red, like, I got, I put myself together so I actually looked like an adult and not a troll, um, drove all the way to Richmond, got there to the restaurant that we had picked, went inside, stood around for about 15 minutes, went back to my car, sat in my car for about 30. This joker didn't show up. I got ghosted. Okay. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I got ghosted. And, and then this idiot had the nerve to then, this was the funniest thing. So here we'd been texting and he's out. So I'm texting him from the restaurant because I'm like, what's going on? We've been talking for a week. We planned this at the beginning. Like, what are we doing? So I text him at the restaurant. And this is like maybe at like 1230. I don't hear anything back. And I'm like, okay. So then I just leave. You know, I'm going home. And then, um, so then like two hours later, he wants to text me back talking about, I didn't have your number. I couldn't find... Wait a minute, sir. What do you mean you don't have my number? You're texting me right now. What are you talking about? Then he tried to tell me that he's got all of his messages uh, going to Facebook Messenger. And it was glitching. And it wouldn't let him um, access my message to get my number. Blah, blah, blah. Look. Here's the thing that I've ran into 
more than once. Just use your words. Just communicate. They tried to tell me he was too emotional because his grandmother had died and it was the and it would have been the anniversary it would have been the 20 year anniversary of his marriage if he hadn't have gotten divorced the boy was barely divorced he'd just gotten divorced about two months before uh and i say boy because that's a boy that's a little boy in a man's body who who cannot communicate uh, and and wants to go around hurting people because he can't communicate and use his words um so anyway, I walked away from that situation and I really, I didn't, I, I mean, I had some moments of thoughts of like, I'm not good enough. Why can't, why do I, you know, why do people think that they can treat me this way? This always happens. I, and so then I also had these moments of like, man, I really thought that I had done the work to kind of heal myself so I wouldn't be attracted to somebody like this again. And here I go. Literally the first man that I start talking to and, you know, agree to meet up with ends up being exactly like every other man who's hurt me in the past. What is wrong with me? So I literally, I just, after that point, I shut my profile down. I just shut it down and I said, no, you know what, God, I, I don't know what you have for me or, or what, what this, what I have to learn from this. But if anything, what I do know is that I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm obviously not because if I was, I wouldn't fall right into basically the same trap of getting caught up with somebody who is just inconsiderate and disrespectful and just does not value me or value my time. And I just don't want to do it. I don't want to, I don't want, if that's what's going to happen, if I'm going to continue to be attracted to these type of men, I don't want to do it. I'd rather not. I'd rather stay single for the rest of my life. So I don't know if that's just me. It meant like I needed to work on myself more. I need to work on my confidence and my security and, and pray through that and, and try to make improvements in that area. So I shut my profile down. I don't know for probably a couple of weeks, a couple of months, maybe end of October, maybe through like the first of December, middle of December. And then, like I said, I got bored. I had a training or something and I probably, yeah, probably the first week of December because I was in the hospital with the baby a lot. And I probably was sat up there bored <laughs> and, you know, opened my profile back up, started talking to a couple of different guys, you know, here and there messaging, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing that's actually really sad is that for my age group, like middle 30s and 40s, there are a lot of single men. And it's it's kind of sad, but what I've run into more than once is men who got married when they were pretty young, had children young, and then have gotten to be like late 30s, early 40s, and either their spouse has cheated or they have just grown apart or things have just fallen apart because they they don't know each other or they're too different and whatever it is and so so these men are early 40s and have been married to someone else for 20 years and have children sometimes adult children and there's a lot of them it's really sad but anyway so I was talking to you know some guy messaging blah 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 Um, I ended up meeting so there for a while I was like let me just 
let me just go to lunch. And, you know, here's what I'm going to say. If you're single and you're considering online dating, I'm going to give you my, my recommendations as far as safety and kind of some of the things that I've tried to do to prevent. I mean, I talk to these men quite a bit before I meet them, but you never know. I've watched enough crazy, you know, whatever, 48 hours and all those types of shows. I've listened, listened to enough true crime podcasts to know that some crazy people up in here. So, um, one thing that I do is that I don't do a dinner date for the first meeting. And when, so when a couple of these guys would ask me if I wanted to go to dinner, my out, it would be that I don't pay... I don't pay a babysitter for a date with somebody that I don't know. Um, I don't do babysitters for first dates. And so if you want to meet me for lunch, then we can do lunch. And I'll meet you there. And so then that way, I have an out. I control, you know, when I leave and when I get there. I control the time. You know, my kids are already in their designated locations for the day. So it's not like I'm missing out on time with them for a stranger I'm not paying, I mean, I am paying for daycare, but it's the same daycare I'd be paying for any other day of the week if I was going to lunch. So, so that's one thing. The other thing is when I go and I have lunch with, with one of these guys, I don't take my wallet into the restaurant. I just always make sure I have cash. And so the only thing that I take in um, with me is my key for my van, my phone, and then cash. Um, and that way there's no possibility of any crazo, like taking my license or stealing from me, you know, and, and this is they like, I, I've not had any concerns of any of the guys that I've actually met up with doing anything like that. But again, there be some sociopaths out there. There be, there are some crazy, crazy people. And so I've, I've always been extremely careful about things like that. And so nothing's different here. But so that's one thing. And then when I go into the restaurant, I make sure that wherever we're sitting is like accessible to the exit and accessible to the wait staff, like close, you know, maybe like close to the hostess table or close to the kitchen or, you know, just I like, I don't want to be seated you know, back far away from, you know, everyone else in the restaurant. So if somebody, if this man tries to do anything or tries to pull anything, you know, I can easily get help or easily kind of, you know, navigate getting out of the restaurant. So those are some, some things that I've done. Cause I know people, it's, it's so common anymore and there's so many dating apps and there's so many, so that I think the stigma and like the weirdness of it is wearing off, but I know still like people have a, you know, have a little bit of a feeling about online dating and about, Oh, you're meeting a stranger and it's unsafe and blah, blah, blah. So those are just some things that I've kind of done to, to help me to feel a little bit more safe and secure and in control. Really, it's just about control. You know, making sure that you're not putting yourself in a situation where you're vulnerable in any way with a stranger. You know, maybe you've talked to them for a while, but essentially they're a stranger. You don't know them. You don't know if... And that's the other thing. I don't assume that a person that I'm talking to is ever telling me the truth. I... And that's maybe a little bit jaded and maybe coming from a place where... 
you know, I have some healing to do, but I, I have a hard time not assuming that all people are awful. And so that's kind of my approach is that, yeah, they might seem like a nice person or they may be kind and talk to me nice, but I'm not throwing it off the table that they're not actually a complete jerk. So the second guy that I met up with was super funny, super nice guy. Um, he and I just, it just, I'm not interested in just dating somebody to date somebody. Like, I don't know that I ever want to get married, but I'm also not wanting to just, you know, date, like be a chain dater. Like, I don't, I don't want to be out there running around dating, dating, dating. And this guy wasn't anything that, like, he and I both knew that, you know, we got along really well. Um, he's a social worker. And so we had a lot of like shop talk during our lunch and have kept up with each other and like text each other and stuff even since and talked about, you know, he's like, he's become a good friend, but it's not something that I would, um, like, that's not something I would consider as for a relationship. Then this third joker comes along and this is where, like, especially I'm going to say this to any Christian men who potentially may listen to this. Come on. Just get it together. Like, these two, these two guys, I, think, I don't know if I said this, but the first guy who ghosted me made a big show of being a Christian and his faith and prayer and this and that and this and that. You know, and it's just like, you, you can't, you're like, your actions don't support what you're saying. So I'll never believe that your faith is where it's at. And also like you're giving Christians a real bad rap because you're going around talking to people like that. And I'm sure talking to other women like that and then doing this kind of stuff, give me a break. So, uh, oh, and by the way, this is the other thing I would say to any woman who is considering online dating is have it in your mind what you want before you even make your profile before you even talk to anybody before you even consider pursuing any type of relationship be confident about what you believe would be the type of person that you would want to be in a relationship with and what you're looking for exact like pretty specific you know be as specific as you can And then if you meet someone or you go on a date with someone and they are like, don't meet that criteria or don't, you know, I'm not saying every person has to check every single box because you want to have, I mean, maybe have a little grace, but (laughs) I mean, if they're way outside of what you're looking for or they have major uh, offenses that are not, you know, within the realm of things that you're looking for, cut them off cut them off. Don't allow yourself to get into a place of desperation to where all of a sudden you're continuing in a relationship with someone who isn't any of the things that you want just for the sake of having a relationship. And so with that first guy, I'm sure I could have continued to talk to him. We could have continued to interact. Maybe we could have planned another time to get up meet together, but I felt like he showed his true colors right out the gate and I appreciated that because that allowed me to really dodge a bullet and so I blocked his tail on everything. (laughs) I blocked him on my phone, I I deleted, I blocked him on Facebook, so there's no potential of him catching me at a weak moment and, and me being like, well, you know, or making excuses. That's one thing that I told myself 
from day one is that I would not make excuses for behavior that I had a problem with or that I didn't like or that was rude or disrespectful. I wouldn't make excuses for them because I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be, you know, involved with somebody who has that little, little respect for me to treat me that way and is that inconsiderate. And so I would just, yeah, I would just say be confident in exactly what you're looking for and exactly what you want. And so then when you come across somebody and they don't meet that criteria or they don't line up with those things, then you can be like, you know what? I don't want to get wrapped up in this. I don't want to allow my heart to get wrapped up in this. Let me go ahead and end it now. Um, so the third guy, he, uh, you know, he and I were texting and he came on really strong there at the beginning. Um, to the point of like asking me if I could consider the possibility that, cause when I told, what I told him was that I had really had no intentions of ever getting married again. I didn't believe that that was something that was in my future and, you know, but, um, and I didn't want to be involved in any type of a serious relationship. Um, and, it, but I was, you know, I'm not closed off to the possibilities of what God may have for me, but in my heart, like that's where, that's my own personal, like that's my stance, whatever God's is, is what it is. And I, you know, I'm not trying to control that, but my stance is like, I'm content in my life and I don't want to get bogged down with with like a real super serious relationship, marriage, any of this. Anyway, so he, like when I say come on strong, I mean like he was essentially asked me at one point if I was willing to consider the possibility that um, God had other plans for my life and was my faith strong enough to, you know, be open to the possibility of marriage, um, you know, essentially with him, like that's what he was saying is, you know, what if we connect and it, it moves in that direction. Okay. So, um, so right out the gate, I'm like, calm down, calm down. Like, I don't, I'm not going to talk to you about marriage. I don't even know you. I've never even seen your face. Get out of here. So we finally, we met for lunch went well, talked, carried on, fine, no problem. And then left lunch, talked a little bit here and there, but like just kind of weird interactions, like uh didn't love the interactions, didn't love the conversation. Um again, like just kind of inconsiderate, would say that he was going to call or would t- say that he was going to and then I wouldn't hear from him or and like what I don't like and what I hate is a feeling of like allowing somebody that I don't even know someone who's a stranger allowing for me allowing that person to make me feel inadequate or like I'm not good enough or why can't this you know why can't this man text me back he doesn't think that I'm good enough or he doesn't respect me like what am I why would I do that so I hated that and then so then all of a sudden he says uh I need to talk to you about something before we move forward. I'm like, what the heck? So essentially we get on the phone on a Friday night and he tells me that, cause he has two kids of his own, a full-time single dad, obviously I have five. He tells me that he's concerned about us like moving forward in a relationship because it would be really difficult for us to manage like having time to spend together understandable. I get that. Like I get that. And I'm worried about that. I don't know how I'm going to, on top of everything else that I have going on, I have two jobs. I have five kids. I have a home. 
Like, how am I going to manage fitting a relationship into, into that, you know, those ex, those responsibilities that I have. So I appreciated that conversation. We talked through it and I said, look, I think that that's a valid concern, but I also think that if you're committed to trying and I'm committed to trying, then we can be creative, you know, and come up, figure out ways to be able to spend time together and get to know each other, blah, blah, blah. And I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to try. I'm willing to give that effort. And he said, he, you know, okay, let's do it. Let's try it. Look, I didn't hear nothing from him again. <laughs> ghosted. It's twice. I'm twice ghosted. But again, it's like, if you can have that kind of a conversation with a woman and then not, no follow up, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want anything to do with you. Like, just use your words. Just say to me, you know what? Just kidding. Either I'm not attracted to you or I'm not interested or, you know what? I don't think I can try. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. So I don't even want to start. Okay. I'm not crying in my sleep. You're not keeping me from going to sleep because you don't want to pursue me. That's fine. Just talk. Just use your words. Don't go somebody and, and then or make a big show about how you want to, you know, make sure we're on the same page and blah, blah, blah. And then ghost them. Don't do that. Just don't do that. So... So that's that kind of had the same feeling after him of like, man, I've had it. I'm through. I'm so tired of this crap. I'm so tired of these idiots. I keep being attracted. Then I find out after the fact from my cousin's ex-wife that he had dated some girl that she knew and he was super controlling and I'm like, man, I knew it. I knew I dodged a boy with that joker. Um, so then at the same time that I was talking to him and at the same time I had actually gone to lunch with him, I had, um, I had another guy on the Facebook dating who had messaged me and I don't want to talk about him too much because I, I'm, my fear is that he might not fear. I already told him I'm not going to talk about him on this podcast and say anything that I haven't already told him to his face, but Okay, I didn't take a break. I didn't know what I was saying, but... Um, so, essentially, at the same time that I'm trying to, like, make things or figure out things or pursue or, you know, whatever, this guy who's a total jerk, I have this other guy who is very kind and considerate and just, it just shows, it just has helped me to see, like, how like just warped my mindset is about like what I deserve and what's good and what I need to be attracted to and um so this other guy's messaging me and I'm talking to him but I'm I just am not he's not a jerk and I've just consistently been attracted to awful men and he's not and so I just didn't feel initially any attraction or anything that I really but I'm talking to him and he's nice and we're gonna meet up for lunch and it's fine anyway cut forward to now um you know a week and a half later since we've met and a lot of phone conversations since then and I am um I'm really, like I said, just having to learn about 
what it looks like to interact with someone who is genuinely, unless, you know, I'm not taking it off the table that people are crazy and that he could be crazy, but so far, so far about what it feels like and how it is to interact with and to, you know, get to know someone who is seemingly a genuinely kind and good person and who is mature and responsible and you know is I joke with him and I've joked with a friend of mine about how he's like a really really good at being an adult and like is responsible and and just takes care of his kids and takes care of his home and you know just so I'm having to learn how to respond to that I'm having to learn how to feel secure in that and and how to to know how to act with like just the shock and the confusion of like someone who is respectful of my time and who is considerate of me and and what I have going on and someone who um you know does what they say they're gonna do and you know for him it's he it's confusing to him too like I've I've told him you know I know you don't probably realize this but just the fact that you tell me that you're going to call or you tell me that you're going to, you know, talk to me later or you tell you you're going to call me back and then you do. And that is so foreign to me. And for him, it's not because that's just his character and that's who he is. And so it's confusing to him that I'm confused. But anyway, we're, uh, like I said, I don't want to get into a lot of details about him because he, now that he knows I have a podcast, I don't want him (laughs) I don't want to be talking about him on this. I got to vet it. I got to feel him out to see if he actually looked. He told me he was going to look it up. I got to see if he actually looked it up. And uh, see if he's listening to it. If he's not listening, all bets are off. I'll talk about him all day long. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, so we're spending time together. Both of us are on the same page. Not serious. This is the other thing I think I would encourage. I'm trying to pass on some takeaways and not just run my mouth about my dating life. Here's some takeaways is I would just make sure that even though, and this is what we ran into, is that after knowing each other, like in person, knowing each other for a very few days, we had to have some conversations that felt like conversations that you might have, you know, a year into a dating relationship or six months into a dating relationship. We had to have some of those conversations that felt pretty intense for only knowing somebody for a couple of days. But the reality is, both of us are, you know, I'm pushing 40. He's a little bit over 40. There's really no sense in dragging something out for it, you know, and then maybe he has, uh, you know, things that are deal breakers or I do. And why not, you know, put those things out on the table and discuss from the beginning so that there isn't a lot of feelings an emotion wrapped up with someone and then six months into it you find out oh this is something that I can't live I can't live with or I can't you know be okay with so we had so that's one thing I'd say is just to encourage you to especially if you're older and you're dating you're back in the dating scene is to just really be you know, making a point of having honest conversations about what your expectations are and what you are looking for, like what, why you went into dating, like online dating, why you even created your profile in the first place. Um, just so that you can make sure like, 
he and I are on the same page. Neither one of us are looking to have, uh, you know, a real serious, intense relationship. Neither one of us are wanting to get married again anytime soon, if at all, on my end, if at all. Um, you know, so that's made it kind of nice because there's no pressure to, you know, to feel like, well, this person is wanting this and I don't, or that person, like we had those discussions. We're kind of on the same page as far as that goes. So just making sure to, to really voice your expectations and it can be hard because I know like, you know, you might say this is my expectation and, and it might be somebody that you really like, or you really enjoy spending time with. And by saying that they may say, whoa, I'm not, that's not where I'm at. And so it may be something that ends the relationship. But my thing is, I would rather have a relationship ended soon and early when there aren't a lot of emotions tied up in it. Um, by being honest about those things and by being vulnerable and upfront versus waiting, you know, like I said, six months into it. And then you have a lot more emotions tied up, a lot more feelings tied up. And then you know, having to have those conversations that could potentially, you know, be deal breakers or things that, you know, you weren't okay with, or the other person wasn't, or your expectations are different. So, okay, I'm going to wrap this up. Just a little bit of work. That's that. That's what I'm doing. I'm dating folks. I'm dating 10 years, (laughs) 10 years since my last first date. And I'm having first dates left and right. I'm dating. Well, now I'm, I'm not, I can't, I can't keep up with more than one at a time. So I got this one guy that I've gone out with now three times or met up with three times and, uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I'm not, um, here's, here's takeaway number. I don't know what, but here's another takeaway. If you're coming out of a a marriage, if you're divorced, if you're coming out of a serious relationship, if you are, um, you know, at a point to where you feel like you maybe want to pursue another relationship or you want to consider dating or you want to consider meeting new people, I'll actually, you, and I've heard this before, but this is 100% true. He and I were talking last night and he is like I mentioned, very responsible. And when he got divorced, he immediately jumped into a, um, 13 week divorce care class at his church or at a church. And one of the things he said that the teacher, the leader of that class said was that, you know, you hear about like a person being your better half or people say that. And the reality is it shouldn't take another person to make you feel whole that if you're broken, if you feel like, you know, if you're not complete or whole yourself, and if you've not done the work to heal yourself, if you've not, whether that means seeing a therapist or, you know, just in prayer and in time, you know, healing your heart and, and re-teaching yourself who you are and who God says you are, if you haven't done that work and you go seeking another relationship as a broken person, chances are you're going to really connect up with another broken person and, uh, two brokes don't make a whole, <laughs> two broken people together 
it's just two broken people. It doesn't make a whole person. And so really trying to work on making sure that if you are in a position of wanting to consider dating and pursuing dating, that you... Hold on a second. I'm using a different map today, and it for some reason it's kind of delayed, and so I'm trying to make sure I don't end up lost out here. I'm literally in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, just making sure that you feel confident about who you are, that you're not... You know, that you go into it with this, your standards and that it's you're really confident in what your standards are. You're really confident in, in how you want to be treated and what you're looking for and what your expectations are of, you know, what you're willing to, to deal with or to tolerate or to, you know, it doesn't have to be complicated to be in a relationship. It doesn't have to be complicated to date someone. Um, but I do think, like, you have to know what you're looking for. You have to know that you're a whole person and that you've done the work to heal yourself or you're going to, I think you can easily find yourself, if you come into a relationship damaged or you haven't done the work to heal, I think you can really easily find yourself looking to that person to fulfill and to heal um, things that, you know, a person can't do. Another person cannot heal your heart or cannot make you a whole person that takes time and that takes God and that takes prayer and a therapist and counseling whatever you want to call it you know it takes work it takes work really giving the attention and the time to yourself to recover from whatever trauma that you've experienced and that I mean I've talked about this before but I know that that is one of the mis- the big mistakes that I made in my second marriage is that even though, you know, uh, quite a bit of time had gone by, I had not done anything proactive to heal from my first marriage. And I, I don't think that I really even realized until I was in my second marriage how traumatized I actually had been from that whole experience. And so a lot of what played out in my second marriage was a result of me not, you know, me still being really super traumatized from my first marriage and having expectations of him to fulfill, you know, security and, um, just things that where I, I was broken and I needed to have done a lot more work which essentially I had done none. So I needed to do a lot more work on myself to be more uh, whole and healed, and I hadn't done that. And so, it, you know, there, that wasn't the only reason that it was a train wreck, but, you know, that was one of the things that I know contributed um, is that I brought into that marriage a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. I just went in a big circle. I'm, I'm going crazy. What are we doing? I literally am driving by where I just came from. What is happening? Okay. <laughs> oh, this is what happens when you listen to a podcast that gets recorded while I'm driving. I get irritated because I'm... I Either I didn't follow the map or it lagged and I just missed where I was supposed to go. But Anyway, I'm so glad to be back talking to y'all. Tell me how you been. Send me an email. Catch up with me. Talk to me. Here's the other thing that got me motivated to record 
tell me how crazy this is. My mom told me this. This is like fifth-hand information, so who knows if this is accurate, but I don't care. I'm running with it. She said that she was talking to a friend of mine who is an active and open listener of the podcast. She's been for a long time. Hey, Carly. Thank you. And that Carly was talking to somebody else, I think, at her work. And for some reason, Carly was talking about me being a foster parent, having a baby, maybe when the baby was in the hospital, blah, blah, blah. And the girl she was talking to was like, wait a minute, does she have a podcast? And my friend Carly was like, yeah, she does. And she was like, I listen to her all the time. And so here's like two people who I got the impression like, like newly knew each other or maybe didn't know each other at all and got to talking and turns out they both listened to the podcast. What? So yeah. And then they both made comments about how I hadn't recorded anything in a while. I'm back. Hi. Hi, Carly. Hi, new friend of Carly or maybe old friend. I don't know. You know, Deb, she don't relay information great. So I got, I got partial details on that story, but what I got was enough to remind me that I had kind of made this commitment to record once a month. I had lots of things to talk about and exciting, exciting things going on. New baby, new dating, new possibilities. Uh, oh, what did I say? Did I talk about Oh, I forgot to even talk about, I said that these stories were intertwined and then I forgot to talk about the second part of it is that I was really on track. I talked, I mentioned I was really on track losing weight and being consistent with losing and then the baby came and then, so then I started talking about the baby, but here's what happened. So the baby came, you know, everything went to hell, just like survival mode, (laughs) just shoving whatever I could shove in my face just trying to fulfill just an emotional exhaustion of eating whatever I can find for about, so he came on the 25th, so for about two months, just panic mode, eating everything and anything. And so I gained back, I gained back about 17 of the 20 or so pounds that I gained, that I'd lost. So I knew, though, that I did not want to just throw away that motivation and, and progress that I had had since, you know, like, right before the baby came. And so I told myself, like, January 1st, you know, New Year's, new me. New Year, same me, same train wreck. But I'm just trying to do things a little bit better. Um, that I was going to get back on track and, like, be very serious Thankfully, 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 it did not take me any time to snap out of it. And I was able to, within, I want to say like four days, like on the fourth day, I had my first full day of being, of eating consistently, of eating, not, you know, not, I cut out sugar and carbs like I always do, you know, of cutting those things out and being consistent. And so versus like when I was, you know, the, before the baby came, it took me a solid like month, six weeks before I was able to consistently not slip up day to day. And so I'm happy to report that of the weight that I did gain back when the baby came, I've already lost 11 pounds of that. So here we are on the 17th of the month. I've lost 11 pounds. I'm going down, 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 down. I've talked about this before. It doesn't matter to me about size or the number or any of those things. My whole goal and motivation is health. And I, you know, now potentially have 
18 more years of parenting, which puts me at, see, 47 plus 8 is, what is that? Oh my gosh, 55? <laughs> oh no. That has me to 55. You know, if this baby stays with me, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, then Max is only two. Like, there's really not that much difference, you know? It's either 53 or it's going to be 55. Like, that puts me old. It's still parenting children. And so I've got to be healthy. I have to be strong. I have to be, you know, have endurance and be healthy. And so that's my goal and that's my motivation. And that's why I was, I was determined to not, like just slip back into another year of being overweight and of being unhealthy. This is my year. This is everybody's year. 2020. Are you kidding me? Everybody's trying to do everything this year. I love it. Stay motivated. Keep with your goals. If you made goals at the beginning of the year, stick with them. Be consistent. If you, if you fall off the wagon, if you mess up, if you have a day or two, don't give up. Don't give up. I saw a a story yesterday of a girl who stuck with a really super aggressive dieting plan and in five weeks she lost 50 pounds 50 pounds and here's the thing I got this joker passing me on this back country road I'm going 70 miles look water delivery van I'm about to call where's your thing that says how am I driving how's my driving call Ooh, you're lucky it's not one on there. What a jerk. Anyway, you know how long five weeks is in comparison to the rest of your life? Do you know how long five weeks is as comparison to having your health and your and, and your like energy and all of this for the rest of your life? Five weeks is nothing. It's barely a month and a half. Like five weeks, and not to say like anybody who's gonna just do like a you know, traditional diet is going to lose that kind of weight in five weeks, but my goodness, five weeks, 50 pounds, you know, but so yeah, if you fall off the wagon, if you make a mistake, if you don't stick with it, just jump back on, get back on it. You know, the month isn't even over. It's only the 17th, you know, start back over, start back over today, start back over on the first of February, whatever you got to do to get your, your mind straightened back out and stick with and be consistent be consistent with your healthy habits. I sound like Rachel Hollis. She's this is what she says, but it's true. I think it, it's important as adults to implement healthy habits and to stick with them. Because I'm telling you right now, I work with old people, and you don't want to be wrapped up in some of the health problems that these old people deal with. Bless their hearts. It's bad. It's just not a good look. It's not. It's not good for anybody. And I don't want that. I want to live not too long, but I mean, I want to live and be healthy and have fun and be wild and into my fifties and sixties. I'm going to do it. So I'll keep you posted. I'm not posting on Instagram every day yet because this is what I kind of told myself. I told myself that I wasn't going to start posting again until I got down to my lowest weight that I was at before the baby came. So that's like, Uh, how many that's like six pounds from now so I've got about six more pounds to lose and then you can catch me on Instagram and I'll be posting every day okay okay 
Uh, like I said, I'm so glad to be back on here. I'm so glad to be talking to y'all again. I'll be back at least once a month. So look for new episodes. Tell your neighbor. Tell a friend. Um, call me if you know me. If you don't know me, don't look up my number and be weird. But if you want to talk, I mean, like, send me a message and then maybe we'll figure out some. Anyway, um, send me a message on Facebook. Send me a message on Instagram. Send me an email. It's .me.sam dot podcast at gmail.com and I'll talk to you okay or if you want to be a guest or you got some things you want to talk about let's do it just let, catch up with me okay have a great day have a fantastic I'd say I'll say weekend but then it'll be weird because I won't get around to posting this till Monday but it's actually Friday that I'm recording so you know whatever either have a great weekend if I get around to posting this or have a great week whatever um I love y'all. Thank you for the that comment that got me motivated from Carly's new friend, old friend, first friend, whatever she was. Um, and for anyone who's listened, thank y'all so much. And I'll talk to you the next time. Goodbye.